Welcome to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, where you'll find the unique, the bizarre, and sometimes the haunted. Feel free to look around, peruse the items, and never fear. There's nothing here that bites. Hard, anyway. <laughs> well, hello there. I'm glad to see you return to Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. I am your shopkeeper, Chris Baker, and today we've got an item that you might not have expected to see in this shop full of oddities and curiosities. This is a piece of technology. No, there is not much technology to be found here at Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop, but this is an interesting piece all the same we've procured this it is a vintage iphone and i use vintage in the loosest of terms this is one of the very first iphones to come out uh right around 2008 not much worth of this thing to you and i maybe some vintage technology collectors might have some interest in this but the story behind this particular iphone is that of one that might catch your curiosity and peek it, if you will. So let's pull out the kinetoscope and take a look at the new Netflix film, Mr. Harrigan's Phone. So... Mr. Harrigan's Phone is a new movie that has just come out on Netflix this uh, uh, past, just a couple days ago, really. Uh, it came out on Wednesday on Netflix. I skipped doing Thursday's show. We're doing this on a, a rare Friday because I wanted to watch Mr. Harrigan's Phone. I wanted to digest it before I really talked about it, and I wanted to talk about it right away. So that's why we didn't have an episode yesterday and decided to push it to today to give me time to really, you know, mull this over and my head, uh, compare it to the short story, and be able to put out a, an episode for you. So uh, here we go today. Of course, uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone is a novella off of Stephen King's book of short stories, novellas, if you will, called If It Bleeds. And it's another one of those collections of Stephen King. He likes to, to do collections of four short stories or four novellas if you will uh different seasons four past midnight if it bleeds things like that and mr harrigan's phone is the first novella in that collection if it bleeds that came out in april of 2020 and i have to say this is a i, I love this story in this collection because i think it's a one it's a great way to kick off if it bleeds and it is classic stephen king it's so much about characters and relationships and then you have these these people these relationships these characters thrust into a supernatural situation and how are they going to deal with it and uh well i don't think this story uh, has the same outcome as a lot of Stephen King's darker uh, material from earlier in his career. Uh, it still has a, a very, it's still got a King vibe, uh, which I like about this. And when I found out that they were doing an adaptation for Netflix, I thought, oh, this should be cool because I could see this making an interesting, uh, interesting movie. 
When I found out who was producing this and, and putting this on, you had Jason Blum involved with this as a producer. You had Ryan Murphy from American Horror Story and American Horror Stories uh, uh, as a producer on this. And then when I found out who they had directing it, John Lee Hancock, that is added another level of interest. Of course, John Lee Hancock, uh, not really known for horror or or the adaptations of, of horror authors, so to speak. I mean, he did the screenplay for Midnight in the Garden of Good and Evil. Uh, he was a producer on My Dog Skip. He was director on The Rookie, directed The Alamo, directed The Blind Side of all things. Uh, Snow White and the Huntsman kind of lends itself to fantasy. Uh, he wrote that. He, he directed Saving Mr. Banks. So a, a lot of diverse things, but things that lend itself more to drama. And at first I was like, oh, that's a, that's a wild uh, pick to direct this Stephen King adaptation but then when i got to thinking about it uh, i thought well no he's really right up the alley for this particular stephen king adaptation because mr harrigan's phone really is a story that needs to be dealt with from a drama standpoint even though it does deal with the supernatural and and a little bit of horror to a degree uh i mean i use horror loosely in this but more supernatural aspects of this uh, certainly but this is a story about characters this is a story about people and this is a story about the relationship between two people in particular Craig and Mr. Harrigan so when I got to thinking about it at first my initial reaction was oh John Lee Hancock that's that's a bizarre pick for this but no it really made sense it really was the right choice for this particular movie now I'm going to try to be as unspoilery as possible with this uh, this is a really a movie that I, I can't give too much away because there's not a lot of twists in this. Uh, it's a fairly straightforward movie, but I'll save kind of the, the spoilery bits. Uh, if you could consider any of them spoilers, I'll, I'll save them for the end. And I'll let you know when we're going to kind of dive into to those aspects of it. But it, it starts out, it's about this, this kid, Craig. He's asked to come read stories to uh, a rich billionaire, uh, Mr. Harrigan, in the town of Harlow, Maine. He's asked to come read to Mr. Harrigan uh, a few times a week, do some odd chores, dusting, shoveling snow off the walk. Uh, they show it in the movie, uh, but they don't really tell you that's a part of of his his duties but in the in the novella it, it goes into that was a part and he was paid extra for any other work he did while he was at mr harrigan's but craig goes uh you know a couple afternoons a week and reads to mr harrigan and it's it's interesting some of the <laughs> some of the novels that uh, craig is asked to read to mr harrigan uh because it's it's a lot of novels that probably a kid, I think Craig is nine years old when he starts reading for Mr. Harrigan. Uh, he's a teenager and getting ready to graduate from high school and, and into college by the end of it. But he's reading things like The Heart of Darkness and Lady Chatterley's Lover and things like that. And one of the things I, I found interesting about the different books they have Craig reading to Mr. Harrigan, they all deal with corruption and the corruption of people 
And I, I thought that was quite interesting and spoke a lot about Mr. Harrigan's character. And so we're going to kind of talk about this movie uh, through uh, through the different characters that we see. And there are a ton of characters in this. Uh, we'll start with Craig, who's played by Jaden Martell. Uh, he, of course, you know him. He played Bill Denbro in It's Chapter 1 and 2. While I wasn't a big fan of the It movies, uh, especially Chapter 2, uh, what I did love was the cast. And I loved Jaden Martell's performance as Bill. I thought it was really good. Uh, I thought the kids did a really good job in this uh, for for what they were asked to do. Uh, there were some of the characters in It, uh, the kid characters that uh, the directors and the writers really kind of changed their personality a bit. But I don't blame the kids. I thought the kids did a really good job uh, portraying you know the Losers Club. So I, I loved him as Bill Denbro. Uh, of course, he's done you know several other things: Knives Out, Metal Lords. But Jaden Martell uh, plays Craig in Mr. Harrigan's phone. And he is a kid that he doesn't come across as sad, even though he should be. Uh, but you learn a lot about him early on in this, that his mother passed away. And he kind of blames himself and his father, who is played by Joe Tippett. His father seems to be taking it a lot harder than he is. And, you know, of course, it's just... Uh, they, they don't really delve into it too terribly much in the movie uh, where, you know, you've got this family that's kind of broken to a degree. I mean, Craig and his father love each other. They're there for each other. But it almost feels as if Craig is maybe keeping his dad at arm's length because... Uh, he feels responsible for his mom's death, and he doesn't want to—he doesn't want that to happen to his dad. Uh, his dad maybe keeps Craig at arm's length a little bit, just because he's so broken by the fact that he's lost his wife. And so there's a lot of complexity, and there's a lot of facets to the relationship between Craig and his father that really go unspoken. Uh, there's no dialogue to explain it, but in their interactions with each other and how they interact with each other, Craig and his father, you can really tell a lot. There's a lot of subtext as to what their relationship's like. Uh, very loving relationship, but uh, a relationship that's kind of guarded, it feels. But I love the fact that uh, the Craig character is asked to go into this old billionaire's house and, and read books to him. And it's... It's really interesting how he handles the material that Mr. Harrigan has him read. And you almost feel as if Mr. Harrigan gets a little glee uh, from seeing this young man read all these these horrible things. <laughs> like, uh, the horror, the horror, like from uh, Heart of Darkness. It, it, it just, it's, it's really a really interesting dynamic that is set up. Uh, I know in the book or the novella, uh, there's there's a, a section where Craig's dad asks if Mr. Harrigan touches him. They don't touch on this in the movie. And they didn't have to because there's nothing funny going on. But I, I like in the book how they they handle this. Craig's father asks if Mr. Harrigan touches Craig inappropriately. And Craig says, no, he doesn't touch me inappropriately. And I would hope that he'd give me uh, at least a $2 scratch-off ticket if he were. So it, it's an interesting relationship that, that could have gotten weird. Uh, they address that in the short story. They don't even touch it in the movie, which I'm glad because it's it's purely an innocent, uh, or, or maybe 
uh, maybe innocence not the right word. I think Mr. Harrigan is deriving some sort of enjoyment out of seeing this little kid read these books way beyond his years that that no kid should be reading. And and a lot of these authors are what the what the kids these day call problematic now. But it's a lot of authors and a lot of works that probably uh, most adults. Uh, probably be too skittish to read for fear they'd get uh, labeled something. But to, for Mr. Gar- Harrigan to have this kid reading these books, uh, you almost get this like little sly smirk out of him from time to time. And Craig handles it like a champ in this this movie. Uh, you know, he reads these things. He's you know uh, talking to Mr. Harrigan about what he thinks the text might mean, and they have a lot of back and forth, and they really get to know each other, and they become quite close. Uh, Mr. Harrigan, like I I mentioned, the lotto tickets, he gives Craig not only his uh, money at the end of the week, what he's earned, but he also four times a year gives him a scratch-off ticket. And for the most part, uh, they're duds. Craig doesn't win anything until he hits a jackpot and that's really where the story kind of catapults forward. Now, Mr. Harrigan's played by Donald Sutherland in this. And my God, the man's a great actor. I mean, he's just done so many great movies over the years. And uh, I, I'm, I'm, a, I'm a huge fan of his. But he just, he should probably be up for some awards for his portrayal of Mr. Harrigan in this. Because he does it so well. He has this... This very, uh, it, it's a slicker version of Mr. Harrigan than in the novella. Mr. Harrigan in the novella is one of those billionaires that, you know, wears ratty clothes, uh, moth-eaten suits, uh, things that, you know, it, nobody would think this guy is a billionaire if they saw him out in the street. They'd probably ask him if they could buy him a, a cheeseburger at McDonald's because they thought he might be going hungry. Uh, and, you know, and he, when he's in church, his hair is all combed but any other time in the novella his hair's all wild and sticking out like albert einstein uh they went with a more slick a more polished looking uh, mr harrigan in this uh don sutherland is is very well put together in this as far as the the look of mr harrigan but the way he acts is very true to mr harrigan in the book he's he's very good to craig but he's also very uh, forthright and matter-of-fact and doesn't sugarcoat things. Uh, he is teaching Craig to be hard in a hard world. You can tell he has been through some things and he's had to deal with things. Uh, I, I like in the uh, how he tells Craig, you know, whenever he has an enemy, to dispatch them. <laughs> it's just, you know this guy has done this before, and you know he's gone through some shit before. And this is a, a life lesson that Craig isn't going to learn from his father, because his father loves him. His father doesn't want him to do things like that. His father, you know, wants him, probably wants him to live and let live, and not get in any trouble, and, and don't hurt anyone. That's what most fathers would want, but but he learns a hard life lesson that you're not going to get anywhere else. Uh, or actually, he teaches Craig, uh, Mr. Harrigan does, teaches Craig a hard life lesson that uh, not many fathers are going to give their sons. Because Mr. Harrigan is a hard man who has gone through hard times and had to make hard decisions. And that's why this character always has, and I think they even mention, I don't think they really say it out loud in the movie, at least I don't remember specifically. I 
do believe they say it in the novella, but uh, there's like an underlying danger about Mr. Harrigan. Uh, he's the type of man that if he thinks of you as his friend, he will move heaven and earth for you. But if he thinks of you as his enemy, you will be dealt with and you will be dealt with quickly and severely. And, and that just, to me, uh, opens up a cornucopia of what sort of backstory this character, Mr. Harrigan, has uh, in his closet. In, in this movie, most literally, he has a closet full of secrets that you, you find out about early on. And I almost forgot about it until they talk about it at the end. And it really kind of plays into the connection why Mr. Harrigan chose Craig to be this this companion, this friend of his, to, to come read to him. Uh, it, it really uh, spoke to the heart of who Mr. Harrigan is uh, and the fact that he did have a heart. He wasn't just a cold businessman who, who did things uh, maybe that weren't uh, weren't smiled upon by more civilized society, but uh, but he did things. He did what he had to do to get by, and I like the fact that they showed a softer side to him, a a more caring side, a a side with heart. Another actor and another character that is really integral in this. Uh, actually, there's a couple more. I mean, we talked about uh, Joe Tippett as Craig's father. He he does a spectacular job. The character is not, um, it, it doesn't have a lot of, I don't want to say agency in this story, but he really is just there as a part of Craig's life and a part of this life that uh, that we get to see of Craig uh, away from Mr. Harrigan. Uh, a couple other characters that are a little more proactive in, in Craig's life is Kenny Yankovic, uh, played by Cyrus Arnold. Of course, he is a kid in high school. Once Craig goes to high school and he starts to be bullied by this, this kid, Kenny Yankovic. And Cyrus Arnold really does a good job. I mean, he's he's been in a lot of stuff over the years. He was in Richard Rich in 2015, Zoolander 2. He was in the Exorcist TV series back in 2017. But he just he just has this look when he has that long scraggly hair and just uh, plays this character so well. He is that bully that looks at himself as the good guy. He's he's he only does things uh, bad. He only hurts you because you're making him, and and that's the you know that's a that's a telltale sign of abuse, and that's probably something he heard from his father or or mother that you know they're only hurting him. He's probably from a family of abuse, and he in turn turns that on people that he feels he can he can bully. But the Kenny character. Uh, like I said, it doesn't have a, a ton to do in the story other than he bullies Craig and he is the target of, of what comes later. But like I said, I, I think Cyrus Arnold did a fantastic job as the Kenny character. He was he made the character interesting. He made the character charismatic and, and I quite enjoyed his performance for what little... Kenny had to do in this story. Uh, another character I really quite enjoyed was the Mrs. Hart character, uh, played by Kirby Howell Baptiste. And if you listen to my episode on the Sandman, you realize I I am becoming a huge fan of Kirby Howell Baptiste. Uh, she played Death 
in the Sandman. I'm so looking forward to seeing her return in season two if they ever officially announce it. But but she's done a, a lot over the years in, in film and television. And I loved her in this as Mrs. Hart. She really kind of portrayed that loving caring teacher that is is looking out for the kids that that are being bullied and she just has a sweetness in this character and a kindness about her and you you really feel the fact that she is important as a teacher to Craig because while he doesn't take advantage of the times where she is trying to help him and get him out of things because he has his own reason, uh, he understands that she cares and he understands that she's trying to to make high school better for him. And, and that makes what happens uh, later in the movie all the more difficult uh, and, and why you understand why Craig does what he does. But you spend this whole movie uh, watching this relationship build between Craig and Mr. Harrigan and to a lesser degree, uh, Craig and Mrs. Hart uh, or Miss Hart, uh, Craig and Kenny, uh, Craig and his father. You watch all these relationships and then one day Mr. Harrigan passes away and not before Craig gets a cell phone for Christmas. He wins the money off the lotto ticket and buys Mr. Harrigan a cell phone. And, you know, they both have iPhones and he's teaching Mr. Harrigan how to use it, how to check the stock market, how to check all the trade publications, Forbes and the Wall Street Journal and things like that. Uh, it, it really is fun to watch Craig teach him how to use a cell phone because I think a lot of us have been there with older relatives that are trying to learn new technology and it's very relatable. And for a lot of this movie and a lot of the short story, you feel like Stephen King is... He's he's trying to say a lot about his thoughts on technology. And I think even at the end of the story, at the end of the day, that is a huge part of the theme and the moral of the story. But it's interesting to listen to Mr. Harrigan kind of talk about cell phones and, and where things are going to go. I mean, granted, Stephen King made this in 2020. He, he published this in 2020. Uh, so all the things that Mr. Harrigan is saying is going to come to pass through cell phones and this technology are things that were already have come to pass when when Stephen King wrote this, but uh, but it is interesting to to hear it out loud, to hear all the ways in which uh, technology is great, but it can also be a detriment to society as well. But Mr. Harrigan passes away, and Craig buries Mr. Harrigan's cell phone with him. And that's when Craig finds out that sometimes you can get cell service even beyond the grave. So that's all the further I'm going to really get. Uh, I, I've probably said too much. I Hopefully I didn't spoil too much for you. We're going to kind of get into what the spoiler aspects of this are coming up uh, shortly. But uh, if you haven't watched this, you really need to watch it before you go on any further. Uh, if you haven't watched this, you need to watch it. It's, it's not typical Stephen King. It's not a horror story. This is a story about characters. This is a drama. It has super 
supernatural elements to it. It has a couple scares in this movie. There's a there's a good jump scare where uh, you're expecting uh, a scare to come from here, and it actually comes from over there. It was it was like one of the only true scares. Other than that, there's a couple creepy moments where the sound design and the music, uh, and just the way the director John Lee Hancock kind of lingers on a shot and just keep waiting for something to happen. Uh, there's a lot of creepy moments, or I shouldn't say a lot, but there's a few creepy moments, one good jump scare. and But other than that, it's really uh, a story about people. It's a story about characters and relationships that revolve around or culminate with a supernatural event. And that really is Stephen King. Uh, I mean, this story really felt uh, like shades of, in, in the way they told the story in this movie, uh, this movie felt very much like Shades of Stand By Me, Shades of uh, Mick Garris's Riding the Bullet. There were a lot of references to Castle Rock and and a lot of references to, to Shawshank Prison and things like that. A lot of uh, the the whole King expanded universe, but it really is a good movie. It's if you're expecting scares and monsters and the typical Stephen King fare, or at least the typical stereotypical. Stephen King fair, uh, if that makes any sense. Uh, this isn't going to be for you. It's You're not going to have killer cars, killer clowns, killer dogs, uh, monsters. There's no uh, giant uh, things coming out of the mist or, or nobody has telekinesis. Uh, you're not going to get that with this movie. But what you are going to get is a lot of what Stephen King does really well. And that's writing interesting characters and interesting relationships and then putting a little supernatural or a paranormal twist on it. And I think that's, I, I really did enjoy that. So if you haven't watched this, uh, go watch it and then come back. We're going to talk some spoilery stuff. Uh, one of the things I thought was really cool about this is the fact that once Mr. Harrigan dies and you have those scenes where uh, Craig is calling him and just to, just to kind of get things off his chest and anybody who's lost somebody, you know, you wish you could talk to him one more time. I really dug that aspect of it. And then the fact that it really, you know, it could be coincidence uh, that... You know, he he talked to Mr. Harrigan about his bully and his bully ends up falling out a window. It could be coincidence that uh, Craig's favorite teacher uh, was hit by a drunk driver and he talks to Mr. Harrigan on his phone about uh, about this and and the guy ends up killing himself. I mean, they all could be coincidence, but it's just too coincidental to be coincidence that he he inadvertently killed Kenny through Mr. Harrigan or whatever's on the other end of this phone. I don't even think it really states specifically whether it is Mr. Harrigan or maybe some sort of other worldly deity or entity that's that's doing this. But, uh, but when the case of Miss Hart, uh, he does specifically go out of his way and tell Mr. Harrigan to kill this man who, who hit as a drunk driver and got off scot-free after killing Miss Hart. Uh, he, he told, asked Mr. Harrigan to kill him and take care of him. And, and that's what happened. So uh, I, I liked how they played with the idea of this could have escalated. And I think a younger Stephen King, uh, a Stephen King back, you know, 20 years ago, even uh, 20, 30 years ago, 
I think that Craig goes on more of a, a killing spree, killing people that he feels deserve it. And this gets a lot darker and this gets a lot more murdery and this gets a lot more horrific. But I think King King's kind of mellowed out. Uh, not, not completely. Uh, I think a lot of King's stories still have teeth to them. But I think with with stories like this, I think he's more interested in the characters. I think he's more interested in the relationships. And it's less about the ghost and the machine and more about the people holding the machine. And and I don't mind that. I, I, I like that aspect of Stephen King because, like I said, he writes characters and relationships between characters better than most. And the fact that he does it in a horror or supernatural setting that's just icing on the cake for me so i like how craig really does have a conscience he's a good kid and he doesn't go on this murder spree with his ghost uh, killer uh taking out all the people that he feels has wronged him I, I like how we didn't go that route and that he does the right thing and 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 throws away his uh or at least mr his old phone that mr harrigan uh seems to be contacting him with through the, from the grave uh but he's not ready to throw out his new iphone uh because we are so attached to technology and i think that's that's a big theme with this is T king talking about uh technology and and how we kind of let it run our lives and I think even maybe to a to another degree, we can ruin other people's lives through our technology. Craig does it by calling Mr. Harrigan's phone in his pocket, in his casket, and telling him he wants somebody dead. And Mr. Harrigan's ghost goes and makes that happen. But we ruin people's lives all the time by, by cyberbullying and trolling on uh, Twitter and, and on all the other social medias and canceling cancel culture and, and that sort of thing. I don't know whether King was commenting on that, but that's something I kind of took from it. Uh, not only is technology ruling our lives because we've always got our face and our nose stuck in a, a cell phone googling chicken parm recipes and what kind of shoes brad pitt was wearing when we should be out living life and 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 living uh, a life that is full of interactions with real people and not just uh, people on the other side of a, a phone screen so i really did love this movie because i i like mr harrigan's phone because it's one of those king stories that is it's less about the horror it's less about the supernatural and more about the people but it does have that supernatural element uh, there's a comment in the in the movie the guy that's selling Craig his new cell phone talks about uh, the ghost in the machine. And I could just hear Stephen King hearing somebody use that phrase and talking, you know, and, and thinking, oh, well, uh, this, I can't do a Stephen King impersonation, so I'm not going to try, but uh, thinking about the, the ghost in a cell phone and that machine and, and how would that uh, affect the person holding the cell phone. I, I could just see the wheels turning in Stephen King's head after hearing that phrase and this whole story of Mr. Harrigan's phone coming about. And I dig that aspect of it as well. Uh, you know, everybody always asks where King gets his his ideas from. And it's always interesting to hear him talk about where he gets ideas. And it's also interesting to sit there and, and try to put yourself in his shoes and see where the gears and, and where the, the machines started turning. But this is a beautiful, a beautiful movie. Uh, maybe not in 
cinematography. I mean, the cinematography is great. Uh, it's just, it's main, it's overcast. It's, it's very gray, not bright, vibrant shots, but interesting shots. There's a lot of interesting direction. Uh, the characters are fantastic. The actors just uh, knocked this out of the park. I really like how John Lee Hancock uh, handled the drama of this. And I think, like I said, you know, this is a drama director for the most part. And he really was the right guy to handle this particular Stephen King project. And I thought uh, Ryan Murphy, Jason Blum, the producers, all really hit it out of the park with, like I said, the casting, uh, the directing, uh, the sound design and the score was really good. This was a, a movie with a lot of heart and and a little sprinkling of horror because when you add that supernatural element, those are the calling cards. That's the hallmark of Stephen King right there, characters and horror. And while this isn't an action-packed adaptation, it is a fairly faithful adaptation. You know, there's a lot of the dialogue that's uh, pulled right from the book. We see a lot of things that are mentioned in the uh, novella. A lot of what happens in the novella, it may not happen or be told exactly how things play out in the novella, but it's all there. It To me, this was a really good adaptation. And under a lesser director, a director with less restraint, uh, some director, some horror director, if they would have got their grubby mitts on this, would have taken this story and added a bunch of kills and added a bunch of things that weren't in the original novella. And they would have uh, turning this into some sort of horror film, like straight up horror film, and would have taken all of the heart of this story out of it. And I like how John Lee Hancock really stayed true to the source material. Did it make for the most exciting movie? No, but it made for a very interesting movie. A movie that I cared about. I cared about the characters. I cared about what was going on. Even though I kind of knew what was going on uh, from the, the novella, uh, I, I still cared. And my wife, who's not a horror fan, she sat down and watched this with me. And and she enjoyed it. <laughs> the one... <laughs> The one scene where you're where Craig asks Mr. Harrigan to knock three times on the wall and you're waiting for those knocks to come and then all of a sudden the phone goes off with stand by your man. Uh, my wife jumped pretty good with that jump scare. <laughs> but I gotta tip my hat to uh, John Lee Hancock for uh, a time in in the world where Stephen King adaptations are treated with such disrespect when you've got directors thinking that i give a fuck what they think the story should be and they completely change the story pet cemetery it especially it chapter two firestarter when you're changing the story drastically at a fundamental level you are making a movie that i don't give a shit whether i see or not because that is not stephen king's story and you got so many directors that do it in the name of subverting your expectations well i have an expectation that i want to see stephen king's work represented on the screen so there are ways to do things different than people did them before without changing the story completely and and i love the fact and I respect the fact that John Lee Hancock stayed true to the to the source material. Roller coaster ride and titillation be damned. So, well, I I wish uh, we could get a more 
horror-centric adaptation of something of Stephen King on the on the screen, uh, I was really happy with this adaptation. It's not the traditional Stephen King horror, but it is the traditional Stephen King, really good Stephen King story with elements of the supernatural. So I loved it. Check it out if you haven't watched uh, Mr. Harrigan's Phone on Netflix. Uh, check that out if you have. Hopefully you enjoyed it as much as I did. Hopefully you went in with with uh, your expectations in check because uh, I'm, I'm pretty sure there's a lot of people that hear Stephen King and think it's going to be monsters and blood and guts and this just wasn't that story. Uh, so hopefully you, you had your expectations managed. Uh, but any of us who have read this novella knew what you were getting into and we got exactly what we wanted exactly what we were expecting so i want to thank everyone for taking the time to listen to my thoughts on the new netflix adaptation of stephen king's mr harrigan's phone i enjoyed it hopefully you did as well uh, please check out odds bodkin's curiosity shop on facebook we're always posting uh, trailers to the latest uh, movies and series come out horror fantasy and science fiction as well as sharing articles from all over the internet i'm always adding my two cents and well, you're checking out uh, our Facebook page, check us out on Instagram, and no matter where you're listening to this podcast, please subscribe, download, share the podcast with anyone that you know that loves horror, fantasy, and science fiction, and please leave a review. Five stars would be awesome, but whatever review you give us, we do appreciate it. So until next time. Thank you for visiting Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. We hope that you found something to your liking and visit the shop again soon. But even though you may come back, you never really get to leave Odds Bodkin's Curiosity Shop. Ha 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 ha!